Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. Do you have a target list of the people you desire to hire? It's easy to plan out the roles you need to hire, but the who is what matters most. A very simple hack is just to create a spreadsheet, and every time you hear of someone good, add them to your list. Now, here's the important part. Reach out and seek to understand. Simply reaching out and listening to their desires is all it takes to attract a well-positioned player for your company. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and business leaders win the strongest hires. We do so by sharing insights from top-performing rebel entrepreneurs, game-changers, industry leaders like our guest today, Mr. Eric DeHaan. Eric is the co-founder and CEO of Open Influence. Open Influence is a premier influencer marketing company with clients that include Disney, Google, Amazon, Facebook, and Under Armour, among others. The company is also a leader in machine learning and artificial intelligence within the ad industry, thanks to its predictive analytics tools and entire influencer taxonomy, which contains over 10 billion data points. Eric is a Forbes 30 Under 30 recipient and Inc. 30 Under 30 honoree, which is what makes Eric the perfect expert for today's topic. Eric, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Awesome, Rick. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Fantastic to have you. So today we're going to discuss a few things. We're going to talk about why you should always be interviewing. And we're going to talk about how to run a proactive hiring campaign. Sound like a plan? Sounds like a plan. We always prep the show and we talked offline and we talked a little bit about building a proactive recruiting process as opposed to that reactive, oh crap, we have to get this role filled situation. So let's talk a little bit about the challenges today. Why do you feel it's really more important to have a proactive recruiting campaign as opposed to finding people when you're ready to hire them? First off, what I've learned is when you need someone, that's the worst time to start looking. You're already late because you have to think it takes time to find the right person. Depending on the role, it could take anywhere from a few weeks to maybe even a few months, depending on how senior that role may be. And then, you know, people have to put in their notice. And with a business like mine, we're an agency business, we're a people-driven business, really being able to make sure that we're attracting the right talent and doing so at the right time because we're selling a service is key. If we're not able to fill a role for a few weeks, that means that we're not bringing on that incremental revenue over those few weeks. So that means we're not able to manage an existing campaign or existing project as well as we could with the right amount of support that we can. So it's very important to get ahead of your hiring needs and be proactive. And it's something that as an early days of our business, I would say we were definitely a lot more reactive than proactive. Yeah. And that happens quite often. You bring up a really interesting point because you have work coming in. You're like, oh gosh, we need to hire. And so that tends to be the thing that carries forth as you get bigger too, just because you're used to that model. But I would argue that you waste a lot of money or you lose a lot of money by not proactively having people ready to go when you need them. That's right. It sounds almost unintuitive to say, okay, well, it's more efficient to have people on standby or it's more cost effective to have people on standby that might not be necessarily working at full capacity so that when you need them, they're ready to go. You're paying those salaries, you're paying for that time. 
but it comes back to the idea of an ounce of prevention is worth a ton of solution or remediation, right? So it's like being able to get ahead of issues and have the right resources up front is going to save you from investing substantially more down the road if a ball gets dropped. Yeah, very true. Well, you know, we're also in a market right now where it's harder to track people. People are not leaving right now. They're still sticking it out. I've got a lot of clients that I talk to that are, they can't find enough people. Or there's a problem lately with one of my clients where they're getting ghosted. They'll set up interviews. They'll talk to people. They'll set up interviews and people just won't show up. So you've got to really do what you can to ensure that those people are going to show up to the interview. Otherwise, you're just wasting everybody's time. Yeah. Luckily, we haven't gotten ghosted too much, I'll say yet. But yeah. I would definitely say for us, being an influencer marketing, it's always been this really hot space where we've always had to look and being one of the first, if not the first companies in it and building a solid reputation, not to toot our own horn too much, but it's actually been interesting because on the talent side, it means we're a prime target to get poached from. And so we have a lot of recruiters going after our talent. Likewise, it does help attracting new talent, but it's just such a competitive market right now. And you're absolutely right. I'm definitely seeing the exact same thing where it just takes that much longer and you have to work that much harder to find the right talent to bring on board. Yeah, but I feel like if people are aligned with the organization, they really buy into the mission and everything else you have going, it's really a lot harder for recruiters, especially recruiters tend to be mainly transactional. I've got a job that pays you more money. Are you interested? So it should be easier to fend them off if people are buying into the mission. Yep, that's right. Just as important as like, how do we approach retention? Because that's part of it. We spend all this time attracting a great candidate, getting them through the interview process, making sure they don't fuck up or drop the ball throughout that whole process. And then so we've invested all this time that we went through those different hurdles and levels of risk. And for them to then go and leave is terrible. And so when we look yeah. at it, it's like, how do we make sure we're building that environment that we're really retaining great people and we're really continuing to reinvest in great people along the way? Yeah, so that's a great point. But retention starts at the hire. At the beginning of the recruiting process, when you have people that are aligned, they're going to stay. When they see the value of being there, they're going to stay. And again, when you do things right in the interview process, it makes it that much harder for somebody to attract your people out of that company because of the fact that they're used to a high bar of process, right? Like they're used to something that's a little bit better than what everybody else is doing. That's right. From a company perspective, though, having this proactive process in place, what, how has it benefited your company? So going back to some of the issues with being reactive first and talking to that and then diving into the, how this has benefited us. Well, one of the challenges we had when we we're being reactive is we had this crazy cascade effect, which was essentially we would wait too long to bring on those additional hires. The workload would increase. Then the people managing it would be at higher risk of getting burnt out because that workload increased and everyone would be working at 110%, 115%. Then some people would burn out and leave. And then that just put more pressure on the people staying, which increased yeah. that chance of burnout. And so what we learned is from looking at this reactive strategy, we were really susceptible to these cascade effects. And once that cascade started happening, it was already too late to begin that new hiring process. And then what we also realized is once we did make those hires, a certain amount of time would have to be spent from managers and the team to train them. And 
that would actually increase the cascading issue because it would take time away from managers who were working with their teams on active business and spent to getting new people up to speed. And so that just increased the workload for everyone else. That was really the aha moment when we realized that pattern was happening. You know, we started the business over eight years ago. And so we've had a lot of time to just learn. And I started the business out of college. And so there may be some mistakes that I could have prevented knowing what I know now. But that was sort of a pattern that we realized early on. I mentioned earlier, we realized an ounce of prevention was worth a ton of remediation. And that was the big thing. Why is it important for us? Having this proactive approach is important for us to make sure that we can maintain the quality of service as a services business. That's what we're selling through, making sure that one, we're avoiding this sort of cascading effect that happens when someone leaves and making sure that we're properly resourced, reducing the risk of burnout for existing team members. Like we invest so much in getting people up to speed, having them leave because they're burnt out. That's on us as a company. And that's something we want to avoid. And then it just builds just a more sustainable business, especially as a new business. When you're looking at your P&L, you're trying to keep things as tight as possible. So it's a bit counterintuitive to say, well, let's actually hire more than we need. It's actually that that gives you a lot more staying power as a business and a lot more sort of robustness to where one person leaving or someone needing to go on vacation or people are people, things happen, like someone has to leave for a few days for a personal matter or what have you, that doesn't slow down the business at all. And so those are sort of the key things that we've learned from having this proactive approach and the key benefits that we've had from having this proactive approach. There are some steps we had to take, obviously, to put a proactive approach in place. And I could dive in and share more of what that means for us and what those steps were. Well, we're going to do that in a minute. You're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard. And for our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Hey, check out stridesearch.com. There you'll find a link to Healing Career Wounds, which is out on Amazon and all your favorite book places now. Let it be your startup secret weapon to winning the strongest hires. Our guest today is Eric DeHaan. He is the co-founder and CEO of Open Influence. And we're discussing proactive hiring. So we just discussed a little bit about fundamentally why it's important to your company. And now we're going to talk about how do we solve this problem? Walk me through the steps that you recommend that our audience takes in developing a proactive search process. First, it starts with the structure and the planning. And what I mean by that is you have to proactively as a leader of the organization budget for that. And it's very obvious, but I can't tell you how many times you're not budgeting for it. You're thinking, hey, I'll address it when it comes up. I'll maybe tell my managers, yeah, we can hire. But your team doesn't want to necessarily exhaust political capital coming up to you, asking for these sort of things. They might feel intimidated. And so coming up with a structure and saying like, no, we've allocated for this turns the issue on its head where instead of putting the burden on your team and managers for coming up and building a case, you're enabling them and allowing them to come and say, okay, well, we're planning for this. They can now take a more proactive approach and they know that they have backing. And so that means looking at it from a structure standpoint, from a budget standpoint, it means getting your team's buy-in and understanding what the right and healthy sort of staffing level should look like. Understanding culturally, what are you really trying to solve for? Like I'm a big believer in the why. Like my team needs to understand the why behind why, you know, what we're doing, why are we doing that? It can't just be like, hey, go do this. That doesn't benefit anyone. They need to understand sort of the premise behind it and the goal behind it. And so really having your team understand what that goal is, is going to help them make smarter decisions in how they're approaching hiring, how they're approaching that structure. They'll make some suggestions as well. What structure do you have in place 
is it just an open, hey, look at everybody knows that it's okay to hire opportunistically? Or is it more tied to the budget? Or like, what does that mean exactly? This is more so from a budgetary standpoint okay, of saying, it. we know here's what we're expecting to do in revenue, waiting to hit that revenue number next month or next quarter. Let's hire for that now. Let's get ahead of that. We know that it's going to take us a couple months to hire the right people to manage that work. We know it's going to take a couple months to train them as part of that. And so instead of just waiting for us to get closer to seeing if it's real or not, or are we going to hit it? Let's hire for that today. And of course, for that to happen, you need to get fairly good as an organization budgeting and getting great at being able to sort of set your budgets, which when you're smaller might be a little more difficult because a large client comes around, they could throw that sort of revenue off whack up or down, right? If they come, they'll go up. If they leave, they'll go down. And so it's really important as a management team to get a sense of what that budget looks like and a budget that you could effectively, what we call internally the take it to the bank number, which we feel really confident about and using that number to inform our hiring so that we can be proactive instead of just waiting to hit that number. And I like your point there. There's no such thing as interviewing too soon. As soon as you think that you might need somebody, start the process. I often hear that we're waiting to figure out some things out first. I'm like, all right, you get it. Like once you give the thumbs up, then it's that's when the time starts sticking. Right now, on average, it probably takes about 61 days to fill a role. Yep. And something else we've learned too along those lines is when you're reactive, you're just ready to pull the trigger on anyone as soon as possible because you need to fill that role. And that's really the wrong mentality. You need to be long-term focused. You need to be thinking, how do I get ahead of this? What I've learned is that quantity drives quality. And what I mean by that is if you could take the time to go through more resumes, if you can take more interviews, you could really narrow in on that best person for that role as opposed to the top person out of 10 interviews will get you the top 10% out. If you do 100 interviews and you're hiring that one person, you're in that top 1%. What we've learned is by being able to make sure that we're exposed to a good amount of candidates, we're refining what we want, we're able to really narrow in on those best people. And of course, with certain roles where we've gone through thousands of candidates over the years, we have a really good sense of what we're looking for. But the point is, we made a rule internally to not be reactive and hire for the sake of hiring. To me, like if you've got one role open, you only need to see one candidate. I always have this internal battle with the, we need to see more people. What I found is that's indicative. We haven't gathered enough data in the interview to support whether or not we really can make a decision. And for every company, it's different. I think for us, we've narrowed in so much on certain roles that we know boxes we need to check. And so when we meet someone that could check that, we're ready to go. But that was sort of the result of us spending so much time going through those interviews, going through those numbers. And of course, if you have a recruiter you're working with that's really doing a good job pre-vetting that for you and really addressing that, then yeah, you don't need to narrow in because they're being proactive in that outreach. But the point is we don't want to settle and we shouldn't. We're going out and we're making sure that we're finding the best people we can out there. Okay, so we got the planning and the structure in place. What's the next step? The next step for us was building this sort of engine Instead of saying, okay, here's the budget, here's what we need to go out and do, it's saying, okay, well, how do we build a system that allows us to constantly be evergreen with this approach? And so one of the ways is building out a referral network internally with our employees. We've done cash bonus, but actually after talking to you on the prep side, you brought up some great points, which I really liked, which we saw, but I didn't really think of in the sense, which is focusing on recognition, being a, a better value add. And that really resonated well with me because every time we thank someone on like a company all hands or in a team meeting, 
for helping us recruit a new team member. That was really sort of a huge badge of honor for them. And then as those team members start to really perform and do well, it became like a badge that they would wear like, oh, I brought this person in. It was actually better than the cash as a motivator and a much stronger motivator. And so that didn't click really as well until you mentioned it. Yeah, you can almost gamify that process. And basically, it is give somebody a t-shirt too that says, hey, I'm the top referral guy in the company. People are proud of that accomplishment. It's kind of cool. I think it's way more valuable than cash. And I'm not Don't get me wrong. They the like the cash too. out the cash, but <laughs> the cash is great too. But yeah. And I'm not saying it's a substitute for, it. I think just seeing that reaction in the team, people are like, oh, great, the cash, you know, they're happy, they're thankful, but they really feel the recognition piece as a motivator. For a lot of our audience too, they're startups and they're probably where you were about four or five years ago. And building that practice in early of referrals and then giving recognition is a great way to continually reinforce that and have more people that are referred in. And I think it's just so valuable, right? Like, especially in the startup environment where you're like, everyone knows, look, cash is tight. It's a new business. You're going to get off the ground and people just want to push forward and grind. And so the next thing we did was building a better passive funnel, which was just our inbound on our site and just posting those jobs post them on Glassdoor, on different sites, on LinkedIn as well. And so just making sure we got a lot of resumes coming in that our team was constantly reviewing and we could look through so that even if we weren't hiring in that very moment, we were just passively sort of collecting for when we knew we would hire, which would be, we might pull trigger in a month or so, but we'd be getting good candidates in because we knew whether it was right now or in a month or two, it'd come in. And, we, and, and the key there was for people that applied, we're, we're also very transparent about timing. We're very honest. Like we didn't say like, hey, yeah, we're going to pull the trigger in the next two weeks or next week. We let them know like, you know, we're, we're constantly hiring. We're probably going to pull the trigger in the next month or so. We're, we're glad we connected. And so, and, and that's something that I've done personally, just in general with my own network is when I love meeting great people. And I kind of feel like sometimes I just collect great people in my network, if that makes sense, where it's like, sure. hey, we might not be able to do something together now. There might not be that opportunity, but here's this person I really like, I'd love to work with. And I feel like there might be an opportunity opening up, whether it's in three months or six months where we could do something together. I'll, you know, I'll keep them in mind for that. Sure, sure. The only thing that I would say is like when you have that inbound thing, like who's screening those people? I mean, because you could post an ad and get a couple hundred people. That's usually where I hear is a pinch point is for a lot of managers where, hey, look, I just don't have time to go through 100 resumes. Yeah, that's a great call out in question. So that was an issue that we had before we hired an HR person internally to just run point on that because that was absolutely right especially when you add that to the cascading issue I was mentioning earlier, it's like, okay, you have the cascade. Now you have a stack of resumes, maybe 15, 20% of them are relevant, are great to really look at, but you need someone who's going to spend that time sifting through it. And so for managers, if they're already underwater, then you're in the reactive cycle. That's not going to be helpful. And what you want to do is you want to have especially depending on your scale. But for us, we were probably a little late in our journey to hire HR, but it has made such a big difference for us where we had someone who's proactively going through vetting and then flagging to managers of like, hey, I found a resume I liked. I had a 15-minute call with this person. I think they're great. What are your thoughts? And then, and then that really also helps us get ahead of it where we're sort of building that pipeline. And so when I look at like my sales team, for example, we have a pipeline where it's like, okay, here are the accounts we're prospecting. Here are the accounts that we've sent a proposal to. 
Here are the ones who are in contract review or negotiating deliverables or terms or whatever. With candidates, is a very similar sort of funnel approach, which I think everyone understands and says like, yeah, that makes sense. But it's another thing to actually figure out how do you build the engine in your organization so that that funnel is actually a real thing that's happening. One thing I'd like to add here is that if you're, again, a smaller company, I don't know if you did this in the beginning, but what we found super helpful is dedicate an hour a week to just talent development hour of time where you can just reach out to people, get to know them, at least when you're first 20 people. That's going to make a huge difference in attracting the right people. That's right. One of the other things that we've done is we've realized that the best people that we've had are the people that have started with us on the ground floor and have grown with the business. And what we found sometimes when we were hiring people horizontally from a competitor or another large agency or something like that, Sometimes those people were looking to coast. They were kind of like, okay, well, I've done it. I'm kind of looking for something a little cushier. I'm looking to coast. And that fire in the belly was lost a little bit. So many times I've seen that. It happens way too often. Yeah. And I saw it keep happening. I'm like, wow, like we were hiring people with experience, but what we're losing were those sort of softer skills and maybe soft skill, but like that fire in the belly, that attitude, that approach that was really, I, I would say the... One of the key drivers for someone's success here, and again, it's not true for everyone. We have a lot of great people we've hired horizontally, but we found it being the case more often than not. And so we said, how do we bring in people that are hungry, that have that fire in the belly, that are earlier in their careers, want to prove themselves out, or just they just have that passion and energy? And then how do we give them a place where they can grow? And so what we built out was this feeder where we're bringing in what we call like account coordinators which is you know, like a junior, junior account manager and assist the account managers. And the old structure we used to have was just, we'd have account managers, each account manager would have a book of business that they would manage and that was it. And it was very siloed. And we said, okay, how do we transform this to build more of a pod structure? We're elevating people to being directors of accounts and they're managing teams and pods of account managers. And then those account managers have account coordinators helping them out. And so what we found, and I'll get to that structure in a bit too, because it kind of goes hand in hand, but that allowed us to build this junior feeder system. We're bringing in people. It's a little bit more challenging to vet through the resume because their resume doesn't have a lot on it. They're early in their careers. You're taking a much bigger risk, but we're bringing them in. They're being essentially mentored by account managers that are actively working on the accounts. It's very hands-on and it gave us a really good way of like testing to see, okay, who's going to move on to that next level. And to do that successfully, you know, we built some relationships with a few schools locally, some professors. Professors always recommend like, oh, here was a star student. They're looking for a job or they're looking for an internship with the hopes of it turning into a job. And so we started with that and it played out really well. You're building a growth-minded organization, which is, hey, look, at you start at the bottom, you work your way up, and you can continue to grow throughout the organization, which is super smart because that's the number one reason why I see people that want to move. I'm not growing here. I got no place to go. And so there you're building in retention from that hiring piece, which is brilliant. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. Because what we noticed, and I think this has been an issue with the overall ad agency world, but the ad agency and media and publisher model has been, you hire people in, you grind them out for 18 months, and then you churn them out. And I'm like, how is that sustainable? We're bringing people, we're building them up, we're investing all this time into educating them, helping them become better at what they do, 
like it's such a loss for us to turn them out in 18 months after we've made all this investment. And keep in mind, like for every good hire that we've made, we've also dropped the ball on a few. And so there's that sort of inherent part that we've gone through. So we said like, why is this happening? How do we prevent this? If we build out these layers, we can give people a really great growth path. And what we've also said is like, it's not just saying, oh, you could pay people more. If you're running a business, you can't just keep paying people more if they're not able to deliver more. So the thing no. that we said is, how do we make it so that someone with these skill sets, as they progress in their career, can actually generate more revenue for the business? And then how do we share that value that they're generating back with them. And so that was the mindset is how us help you is sort of the mindset as opposed to like, okay, just giving them an increment raise, they've been doing the same thing for longer. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense as a business because you reach a cap. Like that it doesn't so matter if you've true. been doing the same job for 20 years, yeah. you hit a cap if you're delivering the same value. Shoot, Eric, we're getting pretty close on time here. I need to get us wrapped up. This is great content. Thank you. Like maybe we have to have you back for a part two where we delve into this a little bit further because this is fantastic. What are two or three key takeaways you can give the audience so they can plug into their business today? Thinking less tactically and focusing much more long-term on how you approach this from a structure and scale standpoint. And with that, figure out what your breaking points are. Where is that point where your current structure is going to fall apart? Because that's going to be when you hit like your sort of scale limit and you don't want your business falling apart because there's too much success. You want to figure out how do you continue to manage that and build that. The other thing is just making sure you're always hiring and thinking of it as a core function of your business. Your business is only as good as your people, especially if you're a service company. So you're in the people business. And once you realize that, figure out how to attract, retain, and train the best people. And that's going to be the most important thing you could do. That is so very true. Eric, thanks so much for your time investment today. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, what would be the best way in which members of our audience can find your company, find you yourself and reach out to you? Yeah. So the company, you could find us online at openinfluence.com, follow us on LinkedIn or on Instagram. For personally, I'm most active on LinkedIn. So please go find me, follow me, connect. And yeah. Perfect. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week's episode of Higher Power. A quick thanks to our team, Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share after all this show is for you. And we want to continue to make it better. Join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com. Or you can drop me an email at rickatstridesearch.com. Tune in next Tuesday. Our guest is going to be Casey Welch. She is the co-founder and president and CEO of Tallow. I'm Rick Gerard, and you've been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn Live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to recruitment success. Rick Turner.